As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the newest head of the pack. We're coming back to you once a week. Um, this is the Family Night Preview Edition. I, listen, I know Family Night is just a, a regular practice, but there's a little more energy around it. Fans are back in the building. I'd expect somewhere near a full house. You know, 70,000 in Lambeau to watch a practice. That's what football is in Green Bay. And I'm looking forward to it, getting some energy back in the building. And um, a lot more fans are will be able to see kind of what we've been watching at practice for the last two weeks or so. So we're going to touch on you know, our biggest takeaways from the first two weeks of camp, what you guys should be looking for uh, on family night. If you're there, if you're not, it'll be on TV too. Um, and take some of your questions as always. So, uh, Bill, we'll, we'll start with, you know, let's go position by position again. Um, with the quarterbacks, I think my biggest takeaway is the Packers are lucky Aaron Rodgers is back because Jordan Love has thrown a couple too many dead ducks for me to be satisfied with his performance if I'm the Packers. Listen, I, he's thrown some great ones. Um, he obviously has never played in a game before, so that could obviously be different. But um, I think the Packers have to be thrilled that Aaron Rodgers is back. I know that's not state. I know that's stating the obvious, but still, it's amazing. He's he talked to us the other day about it. He, threw, he was throwing the NBA guys. He was, like, throwing to Al Harrington. Um, he didn't throw a lot during the offseason. <laughs> and it's like, you know, speaking of NBA, it's like the Allen Iverson practice. Who needs practice? I mean, the guy the guy comes out and hasn't missed a beat. It's, it's, his accuracy is remarkable. Um, whatever these offensive wrinkles are, he seems to have picked them up like nothing. The guy's a machine. Um, on Jordan Love, it's a great point. His, his consistency is has got to be maddening if you're the coaches. It, he threw a wounded duck. The Funchess that was broken up. Then he had another incompletion. Then he threw nine consecutive completions yesterday or Thursday. And then he was picked off. So that is that is Jordan Love in a nutshell. He'll get he makes enough good throws in a practice map where there's something there, but man, oh man, it's just those those clunkers that make just make you scratch your head. Yep, no doubt. And I think listen. Kurt Benkert is obviously not going to get the number two job. Even if he's better than Jordan Love in preseason games, he's not going to. But um, 
I think you'd like to see some more from Jordan Love in preseason games, how he can move the offense down the field, how he can, you know, read defense defenses pre and post snap. And I thought I'm I'm gonna pull up the quote he had yesterday. It's probably the most, you know, expansive quote he had when we talked to him. He's a man of few words. Um I asked, you know, what are you better at now than you were at this time last year? He said, what am I better at? A couple of things. First of all, just my footwork. That's one thing that Luke Getze has been huge on me, just trying to tie my feet into each passing play, the rhythm of the play, just preach reading with my feet. I think that's one thing that I'm still trying to get better at, but I think from last year to this year, it's gotten a lot better. And alternately, just reading, understanding defenses, understanding where I need to go with the ball. Obviously, there's still some mistakes, still learning things, and our defense is doing a good job of bringing different looks um, right Right when you think you know what they're doing, they bring something else. So just understanding the game pre-snap, that's one thing I'm trying to continue to improve on. And I, I think Joe Barry's defense has done a good job of that, but we'll get our first real look at at how Jordan Love operates the game. And, and I think that's the best part about this upcoming preseason game against the Texans. You know, preseason football is a, a drag for, for, you know, with all due respect to the guys fighting for roster spots, it's not enjoyable to watch all the time, but... Getting to see Jordan Love in, in game action for the first time, I think, is a, a worthwhile reason to be intrigued about preseason football in Green Bay this year. Yeah, I want to see Benker, too. Um, he, a, he was fun to listen to yesterday, but we haven't seen him. Um, They, they do this two-spot stuff where Rodgers is on one side of the field and Benkert's on the other side. We don't watch the third stringers. No, I, I'm, I'm going to stick around and watch Rodgers and Love. So um, I know the coaches have seen Benkert. Um, I have not. I, I, I did stick around for the young players period at the end of Thursday. Um, but I really haven't seen him do much just because of the way the practice is structured. Right. Um, with the running backs, I thought it was uh, interesting. I mean, not surprising, but Matt LaFleur told us this morning um, that Dexter Williams, Patrick Taylor, and Kylan Hill will get the bulk of the carries in the preseason. He seemed to imply that A.J. Dillon will get a couple. Aaron Jones will get few, if any, um, as it should be. I think that third running back spot and I think they only keep three because as we've discussed before you know that fourth running back sw- spot uh, in the past was you know at least last year was Tyler Irvin but he was also a return guy and I don't know if any running backs will factor in the return game this year so I expect them to only keep three I would say Dexter Williams has the edge he, he's a guy that has shown the most burst listen I understand they can't be tackled during drills but um, in terms of where they are in in you know, the pecking order of taking reps and also kind of the bursts they've shown when those holes are available during team drills. I think Dexter Williams has the edge. Obviously, Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor have promise, and Matt LaFleur said today it was complimentary of both. Um, he said, I think he said Patrick Taylor is one of the smartest guys he's ever coached, and and uh, Dexter Williams has just come a really long way, one of the hardest workers on the team. So it'll be a good battle for that third running back spot. I think Williams has the edge right now, um, but I think it'll be a good battle in preseason. Yeah, I'd agree. To me, that's like the big upside of training camp. I mean, he was kind of an afterthought for me heading into this. You know, after two years here, I mean, he, he did literally did nothing in two years, right? So why would you expect anything different? But he has run um, decisively. He's been explosive. It's a great battle. I mean, Kylan Hill is the, the new draft pick, kind of that do-it-all guy, and you know, Patrick Taylor is a, is a big dude, and he probably would have been drafted last year if not for that foot injury. And the I mean, he came to Green Bay in what March for surgery after the combine, so everybody kind of knew it was going to be a redshirt year for him. And he 
So this is kind of our first impression of him too. So it's a, it's a really fascinating battle, I would say, between those three. Yeah, no doubt. Um, at, at tight end, it's interesting because, you know, on what's, I don't even know what day today is. Jesus Christ. Today's Friday. So on Thursday was the first day they really kind of eased Josiah DeGuard back in his first practice after coming off pup. Um, Daphne's still out. And Jay Sternberger had a couple nice catches during one-on-ones, created some separation, and, and LaFleur was complimentary of uh, what he's done heading into year three. He said he's a little bit heavier, but that hasn't taken away any of his speed. Obviously, um, he's suspended for the first two games of the season for um, what he said. Uh, we can get into specifics because Jace, you know, talked about it on his own Twitter account. Um you know, drinking and getting behind the wheel on antidepressants, I believe, is what he said. So uh, that's kind of what led to his two-game suspension. Obviously, uh, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon are, are roster locks. But after that, you know, Jace is getting his opportunity to prove he deserves to stay. And we've touched on it before, but they don't have to... Jace Sternberger doesn't take up a roster spot when he's suspended. So they're going to keep him around just in case, you know, any of these injuries linger. And right now, with Daphne and DeGuara not really doing stuff, he has a chance to, to prove why he should stay around after that suspension. And yesterday was the start of, uh, of him doing that. I thought LaFleur today, it, was that like the most complimentary thing you've ever heard of Jace? I mean, gosh, I remember yes. when we talked to Outen during the OTAs, Outen gave all these great expansive answers about this guy and that guy. And when he got to Jace, it was just like this cliched nothing. So, you mean the... The uh, disappointment there was was pretty clear among the coaching staff. Um, I, I think Daffy's getting close to getting back. Um, he's you know he was doing he was working pretty hard on the side yesterday. Obviously, Deguara is back. It's going to be interesting um, once week three comes around. What do they do? I mean, do they need do, if they're fully healthy? Someone's going to have to go. Um, yeah, he's he's going to have to prove it. Um, if you haven't done anything in two years, what, what what's going to make it? What makes it different in year three? Um, you know, yesterday he had the, the great one-handed catch to it, which somebody illegally posted on Twitter, Matt. <laughs> and then during eleven, on we got 11, our they, eyes and ears in the stands. Yeah. Then then during eleven on eleven, he um, I remember it was a check down to him, and he juked. Um, might have been Henry Black is a mile away from us, and he had a lot of yaks. So it was and Henry it, it was Black was the guy. Henry Black oh, was yeah, the guy on the one on ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was one of the very few times he's seen Sternberger do anything. Yeah, I, I think obviously it's too soon to tell since we still have preseason games. But you know, and, and if Jace keeps playing like that in games, it'll be hard to cut him. But if everyone's healthy by week three, I would assume he's the odd man out. But you never know. Um, one of the most fascinating positions every year, I think, just because the number of guys they keep is wide receiver, and and you know. We know Devontae Adams, MVS, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Amari Rogers will be on the team. I would think there's one spot left, and so far in camp, I have seen absolutely nothing out of Devin Funchess. Um, I've seen more out of Jawan Winfrey, more out of EQ, more out of even Reggie Begleton. Um, th- there was a Hail Mary Rogers threw up at the end of two minute yesterday, and it was literally right to Funchess, who's like the perfect Hail Mary target, and he just didn't move. He just stayed there, didn't throw his arms up, and Jair picked it off. Like, I don't know if the coaches notice that. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they notice it if I notice it, but I don't know if it's something they care about. But I, I haven't seen anything from Funchess yet. I haven't either. Um, 
I will say he hasn't played in two years. He broke his collarbone in the week one right. opener of 19. So he's got that's a hell of a long lap. And um, obviously he wasn't here for OTAs, so he had three practices during the offseason. So maybe maybe it's just a lot of rust, but you're right, Matt. Um, you watch him catch passes when it's like routes on air. You watch him catch passes, and he just runs. It's like, my God, this guy's unstoppable. But then when it's like the real football stuff, he just kind of fades in the background. I'm with you. Um, Jawan Winfrey's number six right now. And look, look, right, man, I mean, it's going to be special teams, right? If you're the sixth yeah. receiver, I have no idea if he's played special teams in his life. Um, I have no idea if EQ's really played um, at a high level. I, um, so maybe, maybe Winfrey is the better special teams guy. Um, but yeah, EQ's been here a while. He hasn't done much. Funch hasn't done anything. You, you might as well go with the young guy who's shown you something, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I haven't seen anything really on the offensive side from Malik Taylor. Obviously, he can play special teams. He can return return you know punts and kicks for you. But with Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers, I don't know um, how much use there will be for Malik. He's not really a downfield threat, so. Uh, I think as of now, Winfrey has the edge on that sixth spot, but it'll be interesting. Um, offensive line, I think what we've seen so far in camp, the surprise for me at least, is that Ben Braden is in contention for a starting spot. I did not anticipate that. Um, been in the league for a little while, first with the Jets, been with the Packers the last couple of years. Um, if David Bakhtiari isn't ready for week one, which I still think it's too soon to tell, Elton Jenkins is going to start at left tackle. Josh Myers will be at center. And Billy Turner will be at right tackle, though Dennis Kelly has taken some first-team reps there. I still, It'll still be Billy. The two guard spots are interesting because it's going to be some combination of Ben Braden, Lucas Patrick, and John Runyon Jr. I just don't know what combination that will be yet. You're right about Braden. This is his, I believe he's been in the NFL for four years. He's played four snaps. Kneel downs at the end of the San Fran game last year. Um, I remember when when Steno talked to us during OTAs about Ben Braden being a possible starter. I'm thinking, yeah, right. He's not gonna, you're just talking nonsense at this point. But first reps yesterday, the first team reps yesterday, there was Ben Braden at, at left guard. I mean, Ben Braden was at, at right guard. guard for Lucas Patrick. Excuse me. Um, so Runyon, to my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, has played only left guard and center. I have not seen Runyon play right guard. Probably not saying that he can't, mm-hmm. but I have not seen it. And Braden's played left guard and right guard, and Patrick's played right guard and center. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, once they're back to full full strength how that all shakes out at right guard. I mean, I, I assume, I'm assuming Runyon could flip over there, um, but we haven't seen it. So may, maybe it's Braden against Patrick ultimately. But God, my God, if Ben Braden starts, that would be that'd be one hell of a story. Uh, yeah, it would be a great story for him. Not. Maybe not so much for the Packers. Obviously, they want Bakhtiari back. Bakhtiari talked to us this week and obviously didn't divulge anything about how close he's coming to to returning. It has still only been, what was it, December 31st. So it's been, you know, eight months about since, since he tore that ACL. And that's quick for a left tackle to get back. So I would not be shocked if he's not ready. Um... Obviously, it wouldn't be pleasant going down to New Orleans and, and the defensive line they have, even though uh, Trey Hendrickson, one of their key guys, key edge rushers from last year, is now with the Bengals. They still have Cam Jordan. Um, that would not be pleasant for 
Well, I guess Elton Jenkins is still pretty good, but I'm talking about for the overall offensive line because obviously then Elton would slide into left guard. But um, it, if you're going to have a backup left tackle, Elton Jenkins is a pretty good one to have. But more so what Bakhtiari's injury does for the rest of the line because you want your best five out there, as LaFleur always says. And healthy, all healthy. I don't think Ben Braden's in that best five, but and, and we saw what... Um, happens to Aaron Rodgers when the best five is not out there in the NFC Championship game last year. So obviously the Bakhtiari situation is going to be one to watch. Um, and right now we are five weeks away from the season opener. So he's got five weeks. Yeah, you know, Bakhtiari did all, the, all those on-the-field workouts during OTAs and minicamp for us to see him doing this and that. Um, everything's been behind closed doors this time around. So we honestly haven't seen him do anything other than come out smiling at the end of practice. So we're uh we're totally in the dark. And, and look, I get why he's not saying anything. There's there's no upside to him targeting week one and not making it. So um I thought you had you had a great question, Matt, when you asked Bakhtiari if he would go out there at less than one hundred percent. What did he say? He said let me let me pull up the quote because I don't want to misquote him. Yeah, it was it was the best question and answer of his what, twenty minutes with us the other day. Outside the fun <laughs> stuff. But as far as the recovery, it was a fantastic answer. Let's see. Ah, here it is. So I asked him if he would come back at less than 100%, and he said, I think safety is the most important thing. I don't think anyone in the training room, I don't think Doc, speaking of Dr. Pat McKenzie, would ever let me go out there if it was a safety issue, and even myself. So to answer your question, if my safety is above 90, 95, I'm good with it. If I'm at 100% playing, but I'm at 60% safety, that's an issue. I didn't really understand that last part, but essentially what he's saying is if he feels he can get through a game safely without any injury to the knee, but but you know his knee feels maybe ninety percent, then he's going to play. Um, and the way I posed the question to him was, you know, your ninety percent is probably better than a lot of guys a hundred percent, since he's obviously you know the best left tackle in football, maybe the best offensive lineman overall in football. So obviously he's not going to force going out there if he doesn't feel like it. But if David Bakhtiari's knee is at 90% healthy, but he's 100% confident that he feels safe, he could go out there. So will that accelerate the timeline on which he returns? Possibly. But um, certainly they will not be rushing anything because he's far too important to, uh, to rush back one or two weeks early uh, and, and risk something more long term. Yeah, you know, Jenkins has to give him some confidence, too. I mean, he's been so yeah. good that when I'm watching 11-11, I forget that Elton Jenkins is a left tackle. Because it's not like it's this, you know, it's not like he's a turnstile out there. He's doing a hell of a good job. So I think that's got to give him some some confidence to give Bakhtiari a little extra time if he needs it. No doubt. Uh, defensive side of the ball, defensive line. Um, you've watched one-on-ones closer than I have on that side of the ball. Who has stood out to you? Among that group, I, I caught a little bit of it yesterday. TJ Slayton had a nasty move and got to the quarterback for what would have been a sack. Um, what, who stood out to you in that regard? Dean Lowry. Everybody craps on Dean Lowry. And look, I get it. The guy makes a pretty good amount of money, right? And he doesn't do my... Heck, we might have crapped on him in the last podcast, Matt. Uh, <laughs> he's been good, though. Um, he's been good in the one-on-ones. He's been good when it matters in 11-on-11. I remember yesterday... Um, Lowry got in the backfield. I think Rodgers threw it away early, and then Rodgers gave Lowry a shove, kind of a playful shove. It's like, stop. 
He also he also batted down a pass at the yep. line the other day during did the, team did on the Mutumble finger wag, finger wag, which we appreciate <laughs> because sometimes on the side we don't know who bats it down. So any help that we can get on charting these things is always appreciated from the players. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think Lowry's been good. I think Slayton, like you said, has been really good too. Slayton's going to be a factor, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think Lowry and Slayton have been the the two guys who have stood out. Obviously, Kenny Clark's always going to be good. Um, inside linebacker, well, edge rusher. Let's touch on edge rusher first. Um, Rashawn Gary, I think, has been good. Preston Smith has been better. Zedarius still isn't on the field. And he's on NFI with a back issue. Um, I obviously don't know where he sustained that back issue. But, and he probably doesn't need that much practice. He's an all-pro Um the interesting thing about that position group is what happens now with the fourth spot. Randy Ramsey went off the other day with a left ankle injury. He was It looked bad. He was not able to put any pressure on it. had to be helped off by two trainers. And the way Matt LaFleur talked about it, or at least the tone with which he talked about Ramsey's injury, reminded me of the tone he talked about Josiah DeGuara's torn ACL with last year. Um, I reached out to Ramsey's agent. No response. But... Um, I, I can't imagine it'll be good. LaFleur said he should be out for some period of time. Hopefully they'll get him back, but it'll be another fourth edge rusher getting that spot. I would probably guess that that guy is Jonathan Garvin right now, uh, the, the 2027th rounder from Miami. But uh, what have you seen from that position group? Nothing. I'm serious. I mean, they, I mean, they're, they're, their top three are fantastic. I, I think Preston's been really good, actually. Rashawn Gary's been unstoppable. But man, they, they don't have a number four. And I realize... With, with those three, maybe you don't need a number four so much, but Garvin hasn't done much. Uh, Tipa has done nothing. Um, none of those other guys have done anything. I realize they, they claim Chauncey Rivers off waivers from Baltimore yesterday. He's like the 58th guy from the Ravens on the roster in some form or fashion over the last three years. Because <laughs> of Milt Hendrickson. Yeah, um, he was an undrafted guy who was pretty good at Mississippi State, um, did nothing at the Combine, had a bunch of off-the-field trouble at Georgia prior to that. Who knows? Went, went to last last chance you guy. Last chance you guy um took advantage of it. He was pretty good at Mississippi State. So um look, I I, I assume number four special teams because that was that was Ramsey's gig. Um but yeah, they're other than their top three, they they have uh they have nothing. So there, there's a there's a there's certainly an opportunity, whether it's Chauncey Rivers or some guy who gets cut on September first, there's an opportunity here for somebody. Yep. Um, inside linebacker, Chris Barnes is the guy there. And what's been interesting is, well, Kamal Martin was out with an injury, but as you noted the other day, he's been buried on the depth chart. And, you know, Matt LaFleur had really high praise for Devondre Campbell today, said he's been lights out, whatever that means for when you're not allowed to hit guys. But Campbell and Barnes are the top two there. And and as you noted, Burks and Summers are ahead of Martin right now. That's amazing, isn't it? He- Orenberg, those guys have like the cats have nine lives, they're only like twenty-five lives. I mean, good. They, they <laughs> trot those guys out there like they're they're Bowman and uh oh god, the, the guy from the Niners it was Navarro Bowman and uh Patrick Willis. It's like Willis and Bowman for God's sakes. Yeah, I, I have no idea what happened to Kamal Martin, who would have been a starter last year if not for a knee injury. Um uh, he yeah. is just buried. He was taking outside linebacker reps the other day when he got hurt. Um, but you're right, Barnes is a player. I think I he is. and I'm, I'm not grading out a curve. I think she think Chris Barnes is a really good player, and Campbell hasn't played a lot, 
But he did have that really good breakup of a love pass during two minute yesterday. His his length is a factor there. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that'll be an interesting one to watch. But I think Chris Barnes really has some potential. Obviously, a guy nobody knows about around the league because he was an undrafted guy. Kind of took spot snaps for Christian Kirksey last year, but uh, I think he's a guy to watch. Um, at, at corner, Jair's a stud, obviously. We don't need to talk about him. Kevin King's still injured. What else is new? Stokes has struggled. And listen, I know he's a rookie, and I know he's going to get burned by Devontae Adams a couple times, but it's been MVS. It's been Juwan Winfrey, I'm pretty sure. Um, for Packer fans' sake, you just got to hope it's different in games, and they, these are just the early jitters, because if Kevin King isn't healthy, Stokes has got to start. And early returns on him are have been a little shaky. I understand it's early. I understand that. But um, it's going to be Stokes out there because you don't want Josh Jackson or Shannon Sullivan or Kadar Holman on the outside. Um, and Stokes, hopefully, uh, for the Packers' sake, kind of gets up to speed here. Yeah, he's been really up and down, hasn't he? I, mean, I, I, I look at my yeah. notes at the end of the day, and I've got Stokes with good coverage on this guy, Stokes with good coverage on that guy. And then there's other ones where he just gets torched. Um, he's competitive. Um, they threw a deep ball to Adams on Thursday. He was all over that. Um, they threw a deep ball to Sternberger during two minutes. He was all over that. Um, during the one-on-ones, he was a train wreck, too. So um, kind of like with Jordan Love, I think there's there's enough good plays there where you think maybe there's something there. But, yeah, you're right, Matt. If he's going to be starting, he's going to have to get things figured out in a hurry or it's just going to be quarterbacks just going to go after him relentlessly. Yeah, no doubt. Um, safety, it's obviously Amos, Amos and Savage. Henry Black has struggled a little bit. Um, other than that, you know, Vernon Scott's probably in the mix. Christian Uphoff picked off Jordan Love um, the other day. I mean, I probably could have picked that pass off, but you could have. I, I think, you know, it, talking to guys the last week has kind of changed my opinion on the star position. Um, Will they slide Savage or Alexander down there, or will they just go with a traditional nickel corner and keep Savage at safety? Because, you know, like we've talked about, do they want Vernon Scott or Uphoff back there with Adrian Amos, or would they rather just play a traditional nickel corner in the slot at the, at the star, per se, and, and keep Savage back there? I don't think Sullivan's a bad player. I, I would just go that way, and, and that's what they've done for the most part anyway. I think, look, I realize Sullivan took his lumps, especially early in that championship game. Um, but I, I think you could probably do worse. I think you're probably better off with Sullivan there than, than moving Savage and putting an unknown at safety. Um, Henry Black's been that sixth guy. It'll be interesting to see when, when Will Redmond gets back. And I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm not leading the Will Redmond fan club by any means. Um, it'll be just to see what I. happens if it's, once he's back, does he just go back to that number six DB slash third safety or is Henry Black shown enough to be that guy? Um, not yeah. a, not a great situation. I don't think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the tragedy of camp, Joe Fortunato cut, continues his streak of not playing in a preseason game. I don't know how you can det- – well, I guess you can. I'm no long-snapping expert. But it seems Hunter Bradley has won the competition before uh, before preseason started, and that's that for Joe Fortunato. I, I, and I understand they're trying to keep the pressure off of, of Mason's leg, but they have two kickers on the roster, Matt, and one long snapper. Someone makes sense out of, someone makes sense out of that. Um, 
I don't get I don't get it with Hunter Bradley. I mean, yesterday is during his field goal, the eight eight field goals that Crosby kicked. Um, I think snap number five was low. It wasn't like really bad low, but it was low. It's not like Hunter Bradley's got it all figured out and it's on autopilot now. I just I don't get it. And that, you know, look, I I suppose um, the next competitor is is a phone call away, but um, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I. You know, it's been different than in years past where they trot out Crosby in front of everyone and the whole team watches and, you know, he takes those eight field goals. They kind of do their stuff down at the other end and, you know, eight days out of eight, I'm going to watch actual team periods over over field goal kicking. Um, but I, I think after Mo Drayton said early this offseason that um, – Scott and Bradley had their backs up against the wall. I think we're going to see the same three, same three specialists this year. Yeah, probably. Um, there's, there's no reason to think otherwise. There's, no, there's nothing that we've seen to make you think that they're really going to make a change here. I mean, the long snapper would have been the obvious one to me, and they've already, already pulled the cord on that one. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's touch on some questions. You guys came with some good questions. Uh, Jackson Beauregard says, most improved player in your eyes so far. Who would you say, Bill? Oh, man. Um, Dexter Williams. I know we kind of touched on it earlier. He was a total afterthought to me coming into the camp. I'm all about the new guys of Colin Hill and Patrick Taylor. And there's, uh, like we've talked about earlier, Dexter Williams has been has been pretty darn impressive. Let's see what happens when things go live here on family night in the preseason. But I would put Dexter Williams right up there. I've got to go with Ben Braden because he was not even in the picture last year. And obviously, he's I'm no offensive line expert, but he's obviously done enough to catch the coach's eye and contend for a starting spot when we thought um, – when we thought it was Patrick and Runyon and, and Jenkins as the only three potential starting guards. So uh, I'll, I'll rely on the eyes of Steno and, and all the, and Luke Buckus and the offensive line coaches. Um, I would say Ben Brayner, but I definitely think Dexter is a good choice. Um, Paul F. Metter. Does Josh Myers start at center when the season begins? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. He has received rave reviews from, from everyone. Big guy, 6'5". I thought it was funny what David Bakhtiari said. Um, <laughs> it was a great line. Yeah, he he thought he was terrible at football or something because why are you playing center at 6'5"? said he's not my favorite Ohio State center, but um, but he's he's made a good first impression. But yes, he will start at center. I got one here from 15, best QB ever. This is an interesting question. 
And the answer here is no, but this offends people apparently, but it seems to me that moving Elton Jenkins to left tackle in 22, let us trade David Bakhtiari for a huge haul, saving cap and letting us sign Big E. It's nonsense no. to me, but let's just, let's just, if they go, if they move on from Rodgers, is there something to be said about, and, and there are so many gazillion dollars over the cap. Is there something, and maybe not, maybe it's not Bakhtiari, but is there something to say about just rebuilding and, and collecting 8 million draft picks for the likes of Rodgers and you, you franchise and trade Devontae and, and all these things? Matt's smiling. I mean, you can't see Matt smiling. Matt's smile says, this is complete bleepity bleep. <laughs> I mean, I say no just because you're going to get Jordan Love killed. I understand Aaron. I understand Elton Jenkins can play a good left tackle, but, you know, while Elton Jenkins is a good left tackle, David Bakhtiari is the best in the business, and they signed him to an extension probably with the thought in mind that this is the guy who's going to keep Jordan Love alive. And I think that's what you have to do. I get where you're coming from, but no, you can't, you can't trade David Bakhtiari. Next. Biggest cult here in Wisconsin from Rich Ward. Bobby Portis from the Bucks, Rowdy Telez of the Brewers. Kurt Benkert. Well, I don't follow the Brewers too closely. I think Bobby Portis has a... Bobby Portis, definitely. He's an NBA champion, but and Kurt Benkert is a, a practice squad guy. But, you know, I wrote yesterday, Kurt's had a, a nice little impact on the fan base here, but I would definitely say Bobby Portis. What, what's your take on, uh, you say Bobby Portis? Yeah, the guy's an NBA champion. Kurt Benkert's done nothing, but my God, he was fun. And he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a great follow if you're into esports, which I'm not. But if you're into that stuff, he, he is a man of the people. This is good podcasting. Um, from Joel, what do you think are the chances for EQ to make the team this year? Best regards from Germany. Joel, thank you for, for tuning in. Um, not great. I think he has a chance because obviously he's a big body. He's made some plays in the past. But, you know, we talked about it earlier. That six wide receiver spot, which is what he's competing for, you got to play special teams. And there are probably better special teams players than him in that wide receiver group. Yep. Well said. From Cathal McCabe, do you think Kenny Clark will return to his 2019 form? Yeah, I think he will because part of the problem, I think, from my untrained eye last year, is that teams are able to double Kenny and not worry about anyone else on that defensive front. And, and the only person they know they have to worry about is Kenny. If Kingsley Kiki takes another step, TJ Slayton, Dean Lowry and they get more from the edge rushers than they did last year, I think that'll free up Kenny for some single single coverage, and, and he'll have another Pro Bowl year this year. Totally agree with that. From Brutacris, um, he wants to know who's, if there's going to be a clear number two receiver behind Devontae. A clear, I don't think there'll be a clear number two. I think it's, it's matchup of the week. I do. I think there'll be a clear number two. What do you Marquez got? Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think. I think he's going to emerge as a clear number two. Um, as much as it seems like he hates talking to us, he has gotten a lot of praise from everyone from Aaron Rodgers to Matt LaFleur to um, others this season. And while Alan Lazard is good and Randall Cobb is going to have an impact on this receiving core, and I think Amari Rodgers will too, I think MVS 
is going to separate himself in that regard and earn himself a lot of money uh, entering his free agency next offseason. Yeah, he does what nobody else can do. I will say Lazard is such a big guy on third down. And Rodgers loves him some Cobb. I, I just think maybe it'll be um, player of the week, matchup, kind of, matchup of the week, hot hand kind of thing. That's fair. From Zach, who has been the most underwhelming starter thus far in camp? Underwhelming starter? That's a good question. Does Kevin King count? Does Zedarius Smith count or underwhelming starter that plays? Devin Funches isn't necessarily a starter. Um, who would it be for you? I'm going Shannon Sullivan because he is a starter. There's nothing I have seen otherwise that they're going to make get him out of the slot. Um, he's been beat a few times, and he got beat by Lazard for a touchdown on Thursday. Probably a Preston Smith sack on that one, but um, I've seen 39 get beat a bunch. I have not seen him make a lot of plays. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I'd just throw Z, Kevin King, and Funchess in there. I know they're not starters, but just guys that you expect to make this team underwhelming, obviously for different reasons. Z and Kevin King haven't practiced yet, but um, it, it's just – and obviously injuries aren't entirely their fault. I 100% understand that, but these are guys you expect big years from because, you know, Kevin King, obviously this is a prove-it year. Probably not going to be with the Packers after this year, but for whatever team he's with next, and it's just the same old story of him getting injured. And and Z does all all this talk about you know respect me, you know get proven wrong, um, and he's still hurt. So we would like to see him out there. Obviously, that's not his fault, but um, when he does get out there and get vaccinated. Uh, He'll, he'll have a lot of work to do to back up that talk, which is, which is warranted because he's a hell of a player. Yeah, they need him. He's, uh, you know, we saw so much of it last year. I, I assume it's going to be a lot of Zadarius kind of roaming around behind the D-line and Preston and Gary as the outside, as the outside linebacker. So he's going to be a huge part of this thing. Yep. All right. Well, family night tomorrow. We appreciate you guys tuning in again. Um, you guys are the best, as always. Bill on SI, me on The Athletic. Appreciate you guys always sending in questions. We'll talk to you guys next week.